chapter 2. We're now moving through the offerings and we'll be going more or less a chapter a week as we look at the various offerings and what we can learn in our worship to God as God has set this apart in the Old Testament for the way of people of Israel to come to him and present gifts and offerings and sacrifices. As you read this, you're going to hear a lot of terminology about food. Just keep that in mind. Think about what you hear as we pay attention to God's word given to us. Today, Leviticus chapter 2. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest. And he shall take from it a handful of fine flour and oil with all of its frankincense. And the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with the pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. When you bring a grain offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers smeared with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And if your offering is a grain offering cooked in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And you shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord. And when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits fresh ears, roasted with fire, crushed new grain. And you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is the grain offering, and the priests shall burn as its memorial portion some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. This is God's word. Well, by the way, I, I got permission to share this. Sammy's old enough now that I asked. But one of Sammy's love languages has to be gift giving. He loves receiving gifts, but he also loves giving gifts. And, and sometimes when I've done something special with him, I take him on an outing, Sammy Daddy time, or I play with him afterwards. He, he goes off and, and he colors me a picture and he comes back and says, Daddy, this is for you. Or he makes a, uh, something out of his Legos. He said, Daddy, I, I made this for you. And then he usually say, I, I made this for you, but I make two for Mommy because she works the hardest. But Sammy's gifts are an expression of love to me. And the sermon idea here is that we serve God by giving him the details of your life. Not just the up and the high above, but, but you give him the details. The gifts shows your love. You can say, I'm devoted to the Lord. 
It's the burnt offering, and it's good to say that. But, but how do you know that? How does it look? Well, you, you can use the, the two old tests of your devotion. Remember back when pastors used to say, well, you can look at your, your checkbook and you can look at your daytimer. Some of you know what those are, right? Um, but now you could just say, well, you, you look at your, your phone, not just what you watch or what you don't watch, but what you do with your money, your calendar, your friends, what you say to your friends, what you say behind their backs. Right? You, you serve God by giving the details of your life to him as a gift, one act of service at a time. That's what we're going to look at tonight. And what we see from this grain offering is that God deserves your gift. Now, we often think about a sacrifice as atonement, something dying in your place. Right? We talked about how sacrifice paid the price, the damage of your sin, that the penalty for the punishment of your sin, it, it propitiates you and God. God goes from being wrathful to pleased with you and it, and it purifies you, cleanses you. So that's the atonement aspect. But there's also a sense in which once that's happened, a sacrifice is your gift to God. And those two don't fight. They actually go together very well. And so here it talks about sacrifice as the, the word here, the grain offering is minha. Right? Um, there's no blood, it's grain. There's no talk of atonement. It's, it's usually a voluntary gift that you bring to the Lord. Often it will come with the burnt offering. It will accompany the burnt offering. But there's many ways that you can bring this. We read about them. You can have it uncooked. You can bake it in the various ways, whether it was in a griddle or a pan or an oven. You could bring it from, from of your, some of your first fruits, that the, the raw, the ears be roasted or the grain. This, this offering was to be served with oil and frankincense. This symbolized joy and, and richness and, and gladness. Remember some of the other instructions? There was to avoid honey and, and leaven or, or yeast. We're not quite sure what that means. It, it could it mean that, that they fermented things and so it was thought to cause corruption. Certainly in the Passover, they removed yeast from their house, symbolizing purity. But, but that goes away. You don't use that. But what you do put is salt. Right, salt is what was considered back then indestructible. They didn't have chemical processes, and so it's hard to, to alter it. And so salt symbolized the permanence of your covenant. And then there was this memorial portion that the priests took, and this was turned into incense, burned. Remember that word burnt means literally turned into incense as a gift before the Lord, and then the priests took the rest. It was the most holy things, or literally the, the holy of holy things that would be for, for their income and their food. Well, what kind of gift is this? It's a, it's a gift that you bring before the Lord. But what kind? Is this, is this a just-because gift? When I was young, um, teenagers, I was, I was a big Star Wars nerd, and uh, my best friend was too, and so I'm going to see him going to Lancaster and doing some training, and it's going to be May the 4th when I see him. It's just Star Wars Day. It's May the 4th, and so I, I, I found that neat Star Wars shirt, and that after you know, supper, I'm going to give it to him. Like, hey, here you go. And I'll say, oh, Andy, you shouldn't have, right? It's just, is it one of those things where, oh, you know, you shouldn't have? It's just, it's just because. Or would it be more like my best friend's wedding day? Well, I come to his wedding, and I'm his best man. Though actually, I wasn't because I was away. So, I, I, I don't. but if I let's just say I was able to come to his wedding as his best man, and at the end of the wedding, I, I go my way, and I don't give him a gift. Now, do I have to give him a gift? No, but it would be quite odd. In fact, it would be a, a little rude and unfitting the, the occasion. I should give him something special to celebrate his wedding. Well, how is this word "gift" used? 
Let's look a little bit broader in Scripture, because it actually, I think, helps us give an idea of what's going on here with the grain offering. This word minha, um, where it's very technical here for grain offering, can mean sacrifice in general. So in Genesis 4, when Cain and Abel were offering sacrifices, both, both from produce and from animals, this was, this was the, the word. It can be used in Psalm 141.2. It says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. There's the minha, but it's, it's really just talking about all the evening sacrifices. So it, it can be sacrifice in general to God. It also can be a present, especially given to someone who you want to placate. So if you remember Jacob, when he's coming back, into his land, and, and he had tricked Esau, and so Esau was upset with him when he left, and so now he's bringing his family back, and he hears that Jacob or Esau is coming with a large amount of people, and as he could do me harm, he sends all these presents ahead. It's the same word, minha. And in fact, when Jacob is older, and his son Simeon is now imprisoned in Egypt, not knowing that Joseph did it, and there's this famine, his, his sons eventually said, we've got to go back. And so he says, okay, finally he resents, relents, present him with these these figs and dates, pistachios, a, a gift, a present to someone who is important. It can also straight out mean tribute. Uh, Ehud gets tribute when, when Eglon takes it to him from the Israelites in Judges 3. And then when David in 2 Samuel 8 conquers the surrounding areas, Moab and Syria, bring him tribute, Minha. So, so what do we learn about this word? Well, the, the idea then is this is a gift you give to someone who is more important to you than you, right? So it's a gift that they deserve, sometimes that they demand, depending on the context. And so some commenters will actually call this the tribute offering, one of the reasons we, we sang the song we sang, worthy tribute to him bring. And what you get here then is the people, you know, they're bringing this gift, but they're bringing it to their king, food offerings to their king. So what is the grain offering that teach you about how you should serve God? Well, first of all, give God your best. God deserves your gifts. Think about what grain offering would have meant. This was an offering that came directly from your work. Agriculture back then was life and wealth and food was precious. It's precious today, too, but it's not nearly so scarce. So perhaps we don't think of it as, as much. To give God a fine flour or baked cakes, that, that, would become, that would be coming directly from your hard work. Unless you were a very wealthy person who had hired people, you were the one who dug and tilled the soil and, and did the harvesting and the threshing. When, when you gave that to God, it was coming from the, the sweat of your brow. It was costly and it was valuable. It was, it was a sacrifice. Not, not in the sense of an animal sacrifice where life is taken, but the way we often use the word sacrifice today, where you give up something... For someone else. It's like I would say my parents sacrificed for me, just like Elizabeth and I are now sacrificing for our children. And so when you bring this grain offering that you grew and you produced and you harvested to the Lord, it's a costly, tangible present. It means something a little more. It's kind of like when, when a child, you, you want to get something for your mom, and so you, you save up and you earn, and then you give it to her. That's a lot more meaningful than if you just say, Dad, can I have some money to buy mom a gift? So this is a costly gift to the Lord because he deserves it. And this is, this is not like giving a gift to grandma. I don't know if, if you've had this problem, maybe parents, and you're trying to help your kids get a gift for grandma. But you know, when I was a kid growing up, we were always racking our brains like, what are we going to give grandma? She has everything. She doesn't want anything. She just wants us to come. Have you ever heard that your, your presence is present enough? 
Right? And, and so isn't God like that? Doesn't, doesn't he just own everything anyway? So, so why do I need to give him anything? Well, there's a couple ways you can answer that. And the first one we've, we've already read. Remember Malachi 1? Now, what, what was happening in Malachi 1? Israel, Israel was cutting corners with God. They, they were giving God sick or defective animals, that, animals that would either die or, or were not very valuable. So this was a slap in the face. Well, first of all, remember, the animals were supposed to be whole and, and blameless. It was supposed to represent who we were and, and standing in our place, what, who we should be. It was also less costly because well, what if you can give God an animal that's going to die next week? Does, how does that affect you? It's, it's, it's not much. And so God says, excuse me, I am a great king, right? If you, you listen to that, what, what does God desire? He desires honor and reverence, means give me your best. Try giving that to an earthly king and see how that goes over. Thank you very much. And so God is king and he deserves your best. If you read through the Pentateuch, you will hear a phrase repeated several times. You will not appear before me empty handed. Ever, ever heard that as you're reading through? You will not appear before me empty-handed. I'm, I'm not going to turn there, but Exodus 23, 15, Exodus 34, 20, you can, you can go and see this idea that we come and it's fitting to bring gifts before God. Do you remember when David, towards the end of his reign, sinned, called a census, counted a census, and the Lord began in judgment to, to bring plague on the nation? And when David repented, uh, the prophet said, we need to go and offer a sacrifice. And so he goes up to a hill, which will eventually become Jerusalem. And, and he, he, he sees uh, one of his subjects there. He's a foreigner. And he says, I, I, I want your oxen and I want to, I want to build an altar on, on your threshing floor. And he says, well, here, King, go ahead. You can just have it. And what does David say? I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that costs me nothing. It has to be a sacrifice. Right, so, so God is king and he deserves your best. And it would be wrong to think now that God was just uh, an oppressive king like, say, you know, see, remember the old uh, Prince John and Disney's Robin Hood, right? And he sends his sheriff out to squeeze the taxes as much as he can from everyone. And you're just giving him his cut. No, no, you give, you give God his best, but it's an act of gratitude. And, and so that's what we see then when we look at the aspect of the grain offering from the first fruits. Remember that that Moses says you can bring your first fruits as part of the grain offering. And I want you to see an attitude here that's really important. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 26. I'm going to read the first 11 verses and just listen to the attitude of the worshiper. This is this is the command to God's people for the first fruits. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. He went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. And we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, 
And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. Think about how people lived on an agrarian cycle, no refrigeration. So your, your food is getting old and stale and you can't wait for that, that first bit. And what do you do? You, you take that first, the best, and you bring it to God. And you enjoy it in his presence as a gift. What's the attitude here? It's humility. It's joy. It's, it's thanksgiving that, that God owns all things. He, he certainly doesn't need what I have, but he's brought me into this land. He's put me in this good place that's, that's fertile and I can, I, can, I can till the land and it's productive. And now I can give something back to him and enjoy it at the same time. And how many of you, when you've given yourself as a gift to God, you, you, you experience joy? Right? Either it's direct blessing, someone with the gift, and you get to bless someone, or or whether it's obeying during a hard time, and you can be grateful that the Lord is working through you. So these gifts are not given with a stingy or resentful heart, but but joy and all that God has blessed you so much. And then there's a very practical outworking of this, and this is one of the ways that the Lord allows you to experience this joy, is then the Lord allows you to provide for those who give themselves to God's work full time. Now you see here, both if you go back to Leviticus 2 and then also in, in some of the other offerings, not the first offering, the burnt offering, because that was completely burnt up, but many of the other meat offerings, the priests get a portion of the offering for, for their own food. Now, let's be clear here. Everyone is completely devoted to the Lord. Everyone is completely given to, to the work. It's not as if you pay the pastors to do the work and then you go on your merry way, but in fact, you, and, you have opportunities that Pastor Mulker and I do not. At your workplace, and your family, we're all completely devoted to the Lord. And yet God does call certain people full-time, whether they're pastors, evangelists, missionaries, people at our denomination, home office, to be working in a dedicated way, and it's appropriate for his people to support them financially. I'm not going to turn there, but 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul talks about people were criticizing him, and, and he was saying, look, look, I, I'm working. Don't I have a right to take a wife and support her? And if, if a soldier works, does he work for free? And if a farmer works, doesn't, doesn't he get some of the crops? And, and if, if, a, if a pastor is working, shouldn't he be supported by his congregation? In fact, you can turn there later on and look. 1 Corinthians 9, 13 and 14, he talks about... The priests eat from the temple. And in the same way, the pastors or whoever are supported by their congregation. Now, this can be a, a kind of a, a tense subject to preach on. I, I just can say on a personal how grateful I am that Faith Church takes this very seriously. You, I think Pastor Dick and Gail would say this, and we, Elizabeth and I have received great care from you, and, and not just us. We've seen how when there's a need, you are generous. And what I can say is praise God. Don't stop. Right? This, is, this is one of those ways that God allows us to be part of his work. 
Now, I'm so glad, I don't know if you've heard the story of Jonathan Edwards, but back then, of course, you were, you were assigned the congregational system up north. You were assigned the pastor, and basically you, you each owed him a wage, and they paid the pastor depending on how popular he was or not. And Jonathan Edwards was not always the most popular, and sometimes they were stringing along, and Sarah would have to go out and kind of, you know, almost do like a newspaper collection type of thing. Hey, you know, we, we need our support. I'm, I'm so grateful that's not the case here. But what, but what you can do is when, when, when you give, it's, it, that's part of the worship service. And you are giving part of your hard-earned money, and you can rejoice that God gives you the privilege to be supporting works here in Puerto Rico, in, in Africa, through, through Firm Foundation. It's one of the ways that God blesses us as we give back to him. So I said we delight in the details. So I just like to look and say, well, how... How, how can we apply this specifically? First of all, we do delight in the details. Notice how specific the instructions are here. How to bake it, what type of grain, whether it's cooked or uncooked, what you put on it. Uh, I think what you can see from this is that God desires specific obedience. And while, while here he's being very precise, as we just look at our own lives, God really is concerned about the small details of your life. They, they matter. And so, so how can we delight in the details? Well, well, here's a few ways. First of all, give God your best. We, we already talked about this, but let's apply this. You know, I like to think of it as, uh, do you give God your best? I like to think of it as the boss test. You know, how, do you, how would you work for your boss? Maybe teens, you just going out and getting your first job. And, you know, you, is there a difference between the way you do chores at home? And then, you know, you, you work for the boss when you're on the clock. Someone, someone you were trying to catch the eye and impress. Uh, or, or maybe someone else who's important. Someone, uh, your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or, or someone that, that you want to notice. Do you give God the same or greater priority in your life? We could put it this way. Do you, do you place a priority on worship like you do in your kid's soccer game, work, a hunting trip? Here's one. Do you pay your tithe like you pay your mortgage? Uh, well, I mean, not the same attitude, but with the same faithfulness. Right? Are, there, are there special areas where God has gifted you and not other people? And he's saying, serve me. Do, do, do you give him those gifts? It would be wrong for us to give God all your leftovers after you've spent them everywhere else. He deserves not your scraps, but the best. Now, of course, this is not saying that if you work 50 hours a week, you should be in ministry 50 hours a week. It doesn't work that way. But that you give God best and he's your priority but when we think about that God says I am a great king does that come into our factor as as we give him not the leftovers but what's first and then in the everyday things of life are our gifts to God spiritual absolutely what we're doing right here worshiping God it's our it's our act of spiritual worship but it's not just worship Bible study prayer it's physical aspects, too. Like the grain offering shows that your gifts to God should be the everyday things of life as well. Jesus says to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And why bread? Because, because that is what you ate. And what do you use to make bread? Well, flour. Right? The stuff that, that comes in the offering. And so when you're bringing fine flour or cakes, this is, this is everyday stuff. And so think about what this means then when you clean someone's yard for the glory of God. When you came up to work day yesterday... When you take someone home, when you give to a need or the deacon's fund, when kids, when you're patient with your younger brother or sister, 
or when you obey your, your parents, when you purposefully do these little things because you want to do it to the Lord, it becomes a joyful gift. It becomes an offering that you give to Him. And so do it in the everyday life. And then do it when it's hard. Do it when it's hard. You know, you aren't just to give gifts to God when it's easy or when you feel like it. Can, can you imagine just tithing when you felt like it? I mean, you know, I, mean, I pray that the Lord would be working in you. So, yeah, I do that all the time. But yeah, sometimes caring for someone only when your schedule's free, um, that, that might not work all that well. Yesterday we had the work day and I had borrowed a truck from, from my neighbor and got two loads of mulch and then... <laughs> I think it was Jay Harrison said, you know, the, the, the leak out in the parking lot, yeah, that was the brake fluid in that truck. And so a, a line blew. Uh, it was old. I, I might have encouraged it a little bit. I'm not quite sure. But regardless, the line was blown and the brake fluid was all over the ground. Fortunately, Jay said, I, it's an easy fix. Of course, I went to the, the parts store and they gave me the wrong part. And so I had to go back again. Meanwhile, he was here waiting for me. Now, when Jay gave me a ride home, he had his field glasses. He was going turkey scouting. He could have, you know, but he spent an hour with me even though he was, had plans to go scouting. Right? There's a sacrifice. By definition, is inconvenient. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a sacrifice. It's, it's when you're, it doesn't fit your schedule. It's when it's costly. But here's the beautiful thing. When, when God calls you to do something hard, that makes it all a sweeter gift. You know, when I was in my chaplain school, over 10 years now, almost 10 years, there was a, a student... Who, just, who was floundering. English was not her first language. And we were going over a, a particularly difficult assignment. It was new for all of us. I felt pretty lost, but I could see in her eyes that she was just drowning. And so I said, hey, let's meet up. And I don't, what I have isn't great, but I can walk you through what I know. And so she came, and I'm not always the most patient person when it comes to getting just basic things. And it, it just took a long time to walk her through it. And I was really struggling with, with patience. I was also quite tired and worn. And then I thought, Lord, would you help me to love this, this woman as you have loved me? And, and when I prayed that, the time went from being an inconvenience to basking in God's love for me and, and being grateful that in some small way, even when it's hard, I, I could share with this person. And so we, we give when it's hard. And finally, then you give according to what you have. According to what you have. You might hear this and think, you know, give your best. I'm struggling to put food on the table and meet all my obligations. I, I don't have any best. I don't have anything left over. Or, or give when it's hard. My whole life is hard right now. Now, I love how the Lord in, in the rules for sacrifices meets his people where they are. This applies a bit more to the law for burnt offerings from chapter 1, but, but I'm going to pull it over because I think it fits here as well. There is a sliding scale for the value of the sacrifice depending on your resources. Right? So for the burnt offering, if you were a leader or a wealthy person, it was, it was, a, it was a bull, it was a full cow, right? It was a bull. If you had some money, a person of means, it might be a lamb or a goat. If you were poor, it was, was two birds. If you were very poor, at least in some circumstances, you could simply offer a grain offering. And you see what you get from that is the Lord desires your best. Right? He desires what you have. If you give him your best, whatever that is, then he is honored. Remember, he doesn't need your gifts. He wants your heart. He wants what costs. He wants to let you be involved in the work. And this can be a lot or it can be a little. You know, we had work day yesterday and kids... Come helping out, and they're probably thinking, I'm small, what can I do? Well, you know, they pitched in with the mulch. 
there was there was an appreciable, noticeable difference from which I was grateful because I did a little bit of work and what my doctor doesn't know won't hurt him and praise pray the Lord. It, no, it didn't hurt me. Um, but I was grateful for that help as I was I was getting that mulch out. So you give what you have. Yeah, I remember uh, it was probably 15 years ago. I was at my, my previous church and there was a guy my age and. I am by natural uh, nature an introvert and not, not a, a natural conversationalist. I'm going, to go up, I'm going to go up and talk to this guy. You know how conversation is supposed to be a game of catch. You know, you throw the ball and the person catches. And so so I, I go up and say, hey, how are you doing? I'm Andrew. I'm Chuck. Oh, this guy's making me look extroverted. It's like, well, Chuck, hey, how are you doing today? Good. All right, Chuck. Good to meet you. That's what I got. I didn't think about, I mean, maybe now I'd say, well, you know, what brought you here today? Do you know anyone? You know, to tell me a little bit about yourself. But that was what I had. But I believe because I did it intentionally, the Lord was pleased. So the Lord deserves your gifts. You delight in the everyday details. But what do you do, you know, when you don't feel about it like you should? And yet you still should follow through. Well, you remember that your gift to God is based on his gifts to you. Ephesians 8 or 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you save your faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the free gift of God. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 19, 9, he talks to the church about this gift that they had promised. They were going to send this gift, and he, he has a little bit of apostolic persuasion. I'm, going to, I'm sending someone to follow up just to make sure that you give this gift. I want you to give it as a blessing and not greedily or grudgingly, as he says. And after talking about all the ways that God will bless them, then he says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And that's where we come from. If you have experienced the generous gift of God, then the Lord will enable you to give generously. To give your best. When it's hard, he will enable you to. And really, this is just practicing for eternal glory. One day... You will stand before Jesus' throne, dressed like kings and queens. It will be arrayed in glory. And what will you do? Well, Revelation 4 says this. Now, it talks about the 24 elders. I think the best interpretation is there is talking about the 12 apostles, um, the 12 tribes of Israel, symbolizing all of God's people. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. Here's the reality. Everything that you have, your time, your energy, your money, your stuff, your, your body. First of all, God created it. And this side of heaven, it's temporary. It's fading. But one day you'll have true riches. And when you see your Savior who gave his life for you, you will say, King Jesus, you deserve it all. Please take it. And you couldn't be happier. And as we live this week, serving God in the details, you are anticipating this reality. So what does this look like for you? Ask you as you go out this week, what is, what is a tangible way, a small way in the details of life that you can say, this is hard, but Lord, I want to do this for you this week. And just, just like Sammy who gave me those gifts as an expression of love, you can say, Father, here, this is for you. Take and accept it because you have already accepted me in Jesus. So go out and serve him this week. Please pray with me.
Lord, we know that serving you is, is not a mere duty, but a wonderful delight. And so would you, by faith, help us to offer our lives step by step this week. Perhaps something difficult, something that, that we often fall or trip up, where we reach out to you and ask for your grace and then, and then rejoice and be able to offer that as a grain offering, a tribute offering to you, and to know that you are pleased because of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.